Hallelujah. Let's pray and, and invite the presence of God just to stay with us. He's already been here this morning, and uh, we're going to get into the Word today. But Father, we love you so very much. God, we can't even begin to love you like you love us. We, we have been uh, bought with the price of your precious Son. And God, we thank you for being privileged to be your, your church, your people, your children. God, and, and we can't say enough to thank you. And so, God, we know we can't earn that unmerited favor, that grace, that amazing grace. It's it's unattainable, except that you freely have given it. And so, God, I pray today that we would just uh, live life in response to your amazing grace. Let us live in worship to you. God, not trying to earn your love, but God, just basking in it and sharing it with the whole world. And God, I pray that you would just deepen our relationship today. God, there are those here, many who may have been raised religious, uh, like myself, those who have been a part of church many years or have, have come out of uh, religious backgrounds or upbringings, or maybe, God, they're just learning about you for the first time and they're trying to figure out this Christianity thing. God, that you would just open our eyes to see, God, what you really are calling us to do and why you're calling us to do it. And I pray that our lives would be more worshipful when we leave this place today. And somebody said with me, Amen. We are on a journey today with uh, our series through the book of Exodus, following the children of Israel and paralleling their journey with our journey as Christians. And we have gone through much of Exodus thus far, and we are at the Mount Sinai today. And so uh, if you have missed several weeks, I encourage you to go on our website uh, and listen online. But uh, today I want to talk about the journey when you realize the reason for the rules, part of our mountain moments, part of Exodus, we're on the mountain right now with God, learning some things about being on the mountain with God. But when do you realize the reason for the rules? When you realize the reason for the rules, there was a, a lady looking at a new apartment and the apartment manager was showing her these new set of apartments and she was about to get one and she looked at it, and it was always very nice, and he, he was showing her the outside and around, and she, she began to ask, she said, now, there's not any dogs here that bark all night long, loud dogs that, that are going to keep me up, uh, are there? And he said, no, 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 ma'am, I'd never allow uh, such a thing as that. And she says, good, because i got three of my own, and I can't handle any more. <laughs> Isn't that just like people? You know, sometimes the rules are there for everybody else. Uh, and a lot of times we can bend them to suit our needs. And I was thinking about that. Have you ever met someone who loved the rules uh, but bent them to get their own way? And nobody looked to the right or your left or your brothers or your sisters or call out any names. But how many of you, when you were younger, just to be honest, were the wild, rebellious teenager that resented your parents' rules? Anybody got some wild... Who? Why is it on this side of the room? What's over here? All this. This is the wild side of the room. Okay. Well, I'll have to balance that out later. You know, uh, why did our parents make the rules? Why do your parents, why do parents, I'm a parent now, a young parent, why do we make rules for our children? Why do we enforce the rules? Isn't it because we want our kids to be better people? I, I enforce the rules in my house because I want my daughter to be a good person. I want her to live a life that keeps not only out of fear and punishment and, and pain. I, I want to get her to where she grows up, where she's not in pain. 
and has, you know, negative things happen to her. But I also want her to grow up to be blessed. I want her to grow up that she knows what leads to good things in her life, that she knows what's going to be financially good in her life. She knows what relationships are going to benefit her. So I want her to uh, be a good person, but I also want her to live blessed. I want her to be a blessing and that uh, her life would be full. And I think if we were we're looking at ourselves as parents today that I want my child to be good and honest and trustworthy. I want them to be dependable. I want them to be special. I want them to grow up to be blessed. And you and I, too, as Christians, uh, know sometimes and share God's commands, but how can we fail to obey them? And I think it's the same way. Just like that tenant, uh, we know God's commands, uh, and we can recite them, and we can say them, and we can say, yes, this is what good Christian uh, person is all about, but yet we kind of bend those rules. I'm going to give you some examples. Like uh, sometimes it's so very easy to bend and water down Christ's commands, like don't gossip, don't curse, don't have any selfish ambition. That's a hard one. And even many more so called Christians today in our culture, we look at the status of the American church today, are bending and twisting commands like uh, no sex before marriage or outside of marriage. Uh, or no drunkenness, no wild parties, uh, flee from homosexuality. And let's not even forget, God hates divorce. And while there's conditions for those things, uh, for divorce in the Bible, so many, we, we look at them and we're like, well, those are kind of antiquated. Those are kind of, they're, they're kind of irrelevant for the modern culture. That's what many people in the church are saying. Well, that was back then. Those were the old-fashioned, those are the holy rollers, those were that day. But mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, you don't understand. Today's a new day. Today's a different day. Let me tell you, there is no new day. It's Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ only. He's, a yesterday, he's the same yesterday, today, forever. His word is true. It doesn't matter what generation comes after me. Christ's word is Christ's word. Somebody say amen. amen. And why does God give you and I rules? Is it not... Just the same way. It's not that it makes me... my da- I don't give my daughter rules that, so she'll be my daughter. She's already my daughter. I give her commands and rules and, and, and guide her and boundaries in her life so she'll be what? Blessed. And so many times I think we forget that in our relationship with God. God wants you to be blessed. And He gives you things, and no matter how outdated it may seem in the world today... God's plan for you is blessing. And it's so that you can bless the world. If you're with me this morning, somebody say, Amen. Amen. As a Christian, what you do and why you do it matters. You are saved by God's grace and called according to His purpose. And what is that? That is to be a joy-filled, spirit-filled witness of His salvation to the whole world. How many people want to be a joy-filled, spirit-filled witness to the whole world? Amen. Let's be blessed today together. Let's look at this together. Look, turn with me to Exodus chapter 20, if you will. Exodus chapter 20. We're going to kind of look at a couple of things. Look at Israel and look at us. What we must do and why we must do it. What we must do and why we must do it. When do we realize the reason for the rules? What, what must we do? I'm just going to kind of parallel... Uh, paraphrase Exodus chapter 20 and 21, 22, and 23 because we, we just do not have the time this morning to dig into this as, as much as we would in a Bible study. But one of the most important moments in Israel's history was this moment right now. 
If you can imagine, you and I are together with the children of Israel. We have just seen the fire of God fall on the mountain. We've seen Moses go up. You and I have heard the thundering of God's voice, lightning and, and as, as consuming fire and a cloud comes down and God has given us a command, uh, His His challenge, His covenant that says, I want to make you a kingdom of priests, a royal nation, a holy people because you're my possession. And I want my spirit to dwell in you. And if you will listen and obey me, I'll do that in you. I'll make you that. You'll become that if you listen and obey. So we shout, yes, God will do it. And so then we purify ourselves, we consecrate ourselves, and the Spirit of God descends upon the mountain, and we're there in that moment. And God says, okay, here's what I want you to do. What must you do? So God says, I've delivered you from Egypt. I want to take you to the promised land. Here's what I want to make you. I want my presence to dwell among you if you'll listen and obey. And so what is God? He comes over and he begins to give them the Ten Commandments. This is from our kids' department, this little prop set over here. The Ten Commandments. And that what are they? They're, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make idols or likenesses of heaven to worship. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Honor your father and mother so you'll live long in the land I'm giving you. Uh, and he says, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't covet your neighbor's house, wife, or property. Wouldn't the nation be a good place if just those ten were in force today? Just What if we lived in a nation where there was no murder? Can you imagine? If we lived in a nation where there was no adultery, if we lived in a nation where there was no lying or stealing, or lived in a nation where there was only one God and only one king to worship, wouldn't that not be a beautiful place? God was saying, I want, you, I want to show you how to make heaven on earth. I'm going to call you to do something. And it wasn't just a list of rules. It wasn't just a list of obligations or something that would make them say, but he's saying, if you will obey my voice, I'm going to make you into the light of the world. Now listen. And he goes on. Let me give him some more. In Exodus chapter, so that's 20. He gives them the Ten Commandments. And then in chapter 21, 22, 23, he gives them what is called the Book of the Covenant. It comes a separate book. Uh, and in it, it laid the how to be this nation. And let me just give you some ideas because they lived in a day where it was, uh, you talk about pagan immorality. You talk about there was no re- barbarianism, people killing people, putting heads on stakes kind of day. I mean, this was just horrible day to live. No rights for women, no rights for slaves, uh, just uh, pagans crucifying their children on, on altars and watching them boil alive. And this is the day they lived in. And so God comes down and He says, I'm setting you apart. And here's what I'm telling you to do. He says in Exodus 20, uh, chapter 21 through 23, He says, I'm lay, He lays out the covenants on how to be fair to slaves, even especially women, never before done before. He says how to be fair to women slaves. He says, I'm giving you how to show you how to be fair if somebody's injured on your property. I'm showing you how to respect your parents and authority, how to have property rights, restitution for wrongful death, payments for thefts, consequence... If somebody breaches your trust or lies on the witness stand, uh, he gives them uh, commandments about marrying virgins, punishments for rape, never before, not happening in the rest of the world at that time. He says, here's things against sorcery, immorality, how to punish false testimonies to make sure you keep justice on the witness stand. Uh, he mandates even more. He says, you have to be a nation that cares for strangers. You have to be a nation that cares for widows and for orphans. You have to be a nation that lends to the poor and keeps justice. 
And he says, you even have to be the kind of nation that blesses and helps your enemies. If your neighbor's car breaks down on the road and you and them are at odds with one another, you have to be the nation that stops and helps your neighbor fix that flat, even if you hate one another. That's the kind of nation you have to be. And he says, and here's exactly how to worship me. And he gives them all the instructions to build the tabernacle and and exactly how to worship him. He says this, but if you become the nation, the group of people, if you become the people, who follows the evil masses of this world, and if you become the people who does not stand up for justice, and if you become the people who does not give the world the same kind of grace that I've given you, because he says, your Lord is a gracious God, I'll punish you. Why does God give them the rules? So many times in Christianity, we will look at going to church following the Ten Commandments. We'll look at, uh, and even Jesus expounds on that even more in the New Testament. We'll get in later today. But we'll look at these things about being a good person, why we do this and why. Isn't it not the same way as our Father in heaven as we do with our children as fathers and mothers? God wanted Israel to be blessed. And not just blessed, but to be a blessing. Today, God does not want you to just be blessed. He wants you to be a blessing. He was calling Israel to be a light to the world. He said He wanted His people to be holy as He is holy. Exodus twenty-two thirty-one. But what did that really mean? In verse 24 of Exodus 22, He says, I gave you such grace. He's he, paraphrasing. He's saying He gave them grace when He pulled them out of Egypt. And if God is gracious, His people should be gracious too. Let me say this. What does being a Christian mean to you today? And look at, the, look at our, our, our... We're in the Bible Belt here in, in central Louisiana. What does being a Christian mean to our community even better? Let's look at it that way. What does being a Christian mean to the people at the gas station today who aren't at church down the road or the people who are going to Walmart right now who are not at church or the people who are going to McDonald's right now who are not at church? What does being a Christian mean to them? Does it mean a group of people who wear nice clothes and go to church on Sunday? Does it mean to them a a bunch of people who follow a list of outdated rules, old-fashioned rules that aren't relevant for today? Does it mean a group of people who say one thing but do another? Or does it mean a group of people who think they're better than everybody else, holier than thou? A bunch of church-going hypocrites, some people might say today. Or is it just about following a list of moral rules and trying to be a good person? Because I'm here to tell you today, all of those are wrong. God gives us His command, His word, His voice from heaven so that you can be blessed and so that you can be a blessing. And I'm going to tell you something. You're not blessed until you're a blessing. You're not blessed until you're a blessing. Look at, let's go a little further. So he says, here's what you must do. Here's the rules. But he says, but it's about who you'll become. It's about who you'll become. It's about who you become when you listen to my voice and you follow my spirit. So why the law? That's a big New Testament topic. Why in the world did God give the Ten Commandments? Why in the world did God give them a whole Old Testament of all these rules? Bible tells us that God's law was revealed because of who He was and who they were not. God, on one side, you look at, and look at these laws, you look at these rules, you say, this is the character of God. 
God is holy, God is just, God is righteous, God is loving. And on the other side, you look at them, you say, I am not just, I am not loving. Amen? You look at the Bible, you say, wow, Lord, I fail that every day. I don't love my neighbor as myself. Or God, I, I didn't turn the other cheek today. Or God, I didn't, got not, I, I gossiped today. Or God, I lied a little bit today. And we look and we say, well, this is who God is. And this is who we are. And that puts everything in perspective on one side. Well, but it also, while it revealed their sin, it wasn't just about the rules. It was about who they would become if they followed His voice. Your Christian life today is not just about the do's and the don'ts. It's about who you become when you follow God's voice. Let me look at this way. Exodus chapter 19, verse 5. Look back there with me. Just like a good father, God told Israel what they must do because of who He wanted them to be. I hope that when I tell my daughter these rules, honey, you have a curfew. We don't say those words in this house. We don't watch those shows in this house. It's not about the rules. That I explain to her, it's who I want you to be. I want you to be somebody. I want you to do something that changes the world. I pray over my daughter every day. Every, every, when we found out we were pregnant, uh, I prayed over that child every day, prophesying over her, speaking things over her, even in the womb, because I wanted her to be something. Even the name we gave my daughter was prophetic for me over her. To be a holy one, that's her, uh, Ariana. Catriel uh, means one whose crown is God. I wanted her to see God as the most highest reward, that she would put Him as a focal point over her life. That's what I speak over my daughter. The same is true. God speaks things over His people. And when He gives us things to do, it's not just for you and me. It's who He wants you to become in Him. And He says to them in Exodus 19.5, He says, Now then, if you'll indeed obey My voice and keep My covenant, then you shall be My possession of all the people, for the earth is Mine, and you shall be to Me a kingdom of priests and a whole nation. He didn't say you shall do or you shall have to work to be. He said, if you listen to me, follow my voice, you will naturally become somebody. You'll naturally become somebody. And what is that somebody? Someone who gives salvation to the world. He said, I desire in Isaiah 49 that you'll be a light to the nations, that my salvation would reach the end of the earth through you. And so we look at God and we say, God, why obedience? Why do I have to do this? Think about it. If you go back to Exodus and, and go to the, uh, the Exodus part in Israel where the ten plagues come down, it was by God's grace alone that He rescued them from slavery. Think of it. They were in Egypt, bound in the slavery of sin, or under the slavery of the Egyptian sin, and bound in bondage, okay? And there was nothing they had to do to get out of that. It was God's grace. He heard their cry in, in the slavery. And God's grace came down. He sent a Savior, a Moses figure. And He said, if by faith you'll apply the blood to your doorpost, my wrath will pass over you. And if by faith, when the trumpet sounds and we're ready to head out of here, you will walk by faith out of this camp with everything on your back. I'll even load you down with jewels and food and everything. You'll, you'll plunder the Egyptians. And then by faith, you'll walk through that Red Sea. You and I today did nothing to be saved. It was by faith that when God heard your cry, He sent a Savior to you. 
And it was by faith that when he came down into the midst of the enemy's camp, he said, if you'll just apply my son's blood to your doorpost, by faith, my wrath will pay over, pass over you. And then when I say by faith, he says every sin, habitual sin, hurt, hang up, habit in your life, by faith, if you'll just follow my spirit, we'll walk out of this camp free from every chain, addiction, bondage, slavery to sin. You just by faith walk out. That's the same story. They never had the law before. So by faith, through the grace and the mercy of God, Ephesians tells us it was by grace through faith that you were saved. Not a thing of yourself that we could boast, but it was the gift of God through Christ. And so by faith, they walked out, just plundered the enemy. Isn't that awesome? By faith, you can leave every habitual sin. By faith, just walk on out of the enemy's camp. By faith. We walk out of the enemy's camp and we get to a point with God and a lone point with God. And God says, OK, by faith, you're saved. By grace, I pulled you out. We plundered the enemy. My son's blood shed for you, plundered the enemy, made a spectacle of him. Colossians chapter two said, triumphing him over the cross. And when you get to an alone moment with me and he says, OK, are you ready to be the people I've called you to be? I'm bringing you out. For a purpose, not just for you, but that you would be a people to reach the world and tell the world of what I've done in Egypt. And so he says, here's my covenant. Here's my commands, my commission. That you would be this people. See, obedience has never been for you. It's been so that you could be the people of God to tell the world of how God brought you out. So many times in Christianity today, we get caught up in that it's us, us, us. My problems, my pain, my hurts, my habit, my hang-up, my addiction, my issues. And we begin to work on ourselves and work on ourselves and try to be good enough and try to be good enough. You were never good enough. You can't be good enough. By grace, through faith, God brought you out of the enemy's camp. He plundered the devil. He made a spectacle. He made a fool of him. And he says, if you'll just listen to me and obey my voice, I will make you a people that will shine like nobody else. If you'll just listen to me, you don't have to earn his salvation. You just listen, obey my voice, obey my word, follow my spirit. And I will lead you to a place of blessing where you can bless somebody else. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay, I just skip all my notes. Anyhow, that's all good. Here's a problem, though. Over generation after generation, Israel's leaders told people to do things that they themselves didn't do. They put all kinds of religious rules into their society. They cared nothing about their holy purpose to the nations. They began to get inwardly focused, focus on themselves. They cared nothing about being a house of prayer for the nations, a light to the world. They were a light for themselves. And like Lucifer who was that bright and morning shower, became all about shining his own glory for himself. Whereas Jesus, the light of the world, came down to shine in the midst of darkness, left his place of high position to become as a man. And the Bible says they created groups of uh, groups and factions came along, and Pharisees and Sadducees at the time of Christ came on, and they all had different opinions on how to be the people God wanted them to be. Everybody had a different school of thought. Everybody had a different denomination. Everybody had a different philosophy. Everybody had a different idea of what it meant to be a good little boy and girl and get to heaven. Mm. That's what the church became all about. And they failed to be about the nations. 
Lord spoke to me when I was writing this, and basically that it, they perverted obedience and pretended the blessing. They perverted the obedience. They bent all the rules, yet still pretended to be blessed by God. You know how many Christians don't, don't follow the voice of the Holy Spirit, don't listen to the Word of God, think it's an antedated, outdated, irrelevant piece of material for today, but yet try to pretend to be blessed by God? Oh, God, bless me with a new job, even though I'm sleeping with somebody else. No, he didn't. Mm. God blessed me with this, even though I had to cut throat competition to get up the change of the ladder. No, he didn't. We can't pretend to be blessed by God if we're perverting the obedience that God has called us to do. If we're not listening to the Holy Spirit, we're not going to be blessed by God. Yeah, we may be saved. We may have come out of bondage. But sure enough, you'll find yourself right back in it. We can't pretend to be blessed by God if we're perverting the obedience of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. If we never realize the reason for the rules, we'll miss the purposes of God. If we never realize that our relationship with God is more about is not about rituals of man, if it's all about the rituals of man, we'll only be pretend Christians. To truly be blessed by God, church, listen to me. To truly be blessed by God today, you must be a blessing. To truly be blessed by God today, you must be a blessing to somebody else. You must be a blessing to the lost. It's good to be a blessing to other church families. That's what makes us so awesome as a church. Good to be a blessing to one another in this place. We are first and primarily called, though, to be a blessing to a lost and dying world. I want people who are at Walmart right now shopping. I want people who are at McDonald's right now getting an early lunch. I want people right now to think... Man, those people at that church, at that hill, on that place, man, they are a blessing to this city. Man, that church does so much. Those people in that place do so much for this community. They're a blessing. Man, we thank God, even though we're not right with God, we thank God that that church is in this town because they love people. That's supposed to be our witness. That's supposed to be our testimony, not to be a bunch of holy rollers, not to be a bunch of howdy neighbors and, and all, that. all those things are good. But our number one objective here in LaSalle Parish, Louisiana, our number one objective as the church of Jesus Christ for this day, for this age, is to bless the world with the light of the gospel of God's salvation. Paul said there was this temporary garden. This law was only... All these rules were just a temporary thing until Jesus Christ got here. We had a better... That was just a little schoolmaster, a guardian, until the great teacher, Jesus Christ, got here. Galatians chapter 3 says. And you know, it was never based on them keeping all the rules. We know today I have broken, and you and I have broken, broken every Ten Commandments. All ten, Jesus tells us we've broken. If you hated, you've murdered. If you lusted, you committed adultery. All those things, we've broken all of them. It was never about us obeying them all and keeping perfection. Why? Because God instituted, if He thought they could obey it all, He would never institute a sacrifice. Even at that very moment, He said, okay, here's the rules, and He instituted a way to make sacrifice. He knew they'd break it. But still yet, God gave it to them. And today, you and I have the greatest sacrifice in the history of the universe, Jesus Christ. 
He makes a way that even though, God, I know I've broken all these things, I still get to be the people of God. Isn't that amazing? Even though I fail time and again, God, even though I falter, God, your sacrifice makes it possible for me to still yet be the people of God. Because I'm not even worthy to be called His saint. I'm not even worthy to be called His child, His, His, His church. But through Jesus Christ, I am. Through Jesus Christ, I am. So let me look at it this way today. That He told them, here's what you must do. And He said, here's who you'll become. And same is true for you and I today. What must you do in Jesus Christ? Are we worshiping just the worship service? Are we following just some lifeless religion? Are we serving God just because we don't want to go to hell? Peter Haas, in his book, Pharisectomy, wrote, Obedience out of shame or guilt will always lead you to failure. Obedience is not always easy, but in Jesus, it's always joyful. Christ said in John 17, He came that our joy, joy may be full. And He said, I'm giving you this kingdom, and it's so valuable that it's worth selling all you have to go out and buy that field that it's in. It's so awesome to have. It's so worth just going all in for that you can have so much joy in owning it and being a part of it. It's worth giving up everything for. Is this life worth that for you? He gives us two things. He says, here's a great command. Just like he gave them, here's the great command. And he said, here's the great commission. Same thing. Gave him the great command, the Ten Commandments. He gave him a great commission. You'll be a kingdom of priests. Now, here's what Jesus says. Matthew 22, the great command. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Even going on and further, gives us the golden rule to do unto others as we have them do unto us, to love your enemies, to turn the other cheek, to go the extra mile with our persecutors. And he says, this is what I'm commanding, a new commandment, just as I have loved you, love one another. And he says, why does God give me these rules? Why does God tell us to love other people? Why does God tell us to love one another? And why does God tell us to love Him with everything? Just the same way you tell your children. Because God wants you to be blessed. It's not so you don't go to hell. There's a part of that. You see, Israel was saved out of Egypt by faith. They weren't saved through obedience. But it's so you and I can be blessed. They, they weren't saved by the obedience, but their, their relationship with God was maintained with it. If they willingly turned from God and turned from God and said, God, I don't want any more of you, and they willfully went back to Egypt, yes, they would lose their relationship with God. But it was maintained and said, God, we are in response to what you've done for us. My relationship with Christ should be the same way. God, I thank you for pulling me out of Egypt. I thank you that it was by grace through faith that I'm saved. So now, God, I want to follow your spirit. God, I want to try to love other people. God, I want to show me how, God, to turn the other cheek. Because I know if I do this, you'll bless me. God, you know, I know that if, if I follow your voice, I'll be blessed. And we look at the rules of Scripture today, and I, and I hope our students are hearing this. God wants you to be a blessing. Look at the studies. Just take sexual immorality in our culture today. Why does God say no sex out of marriage? You know, the studies show that those who have sex outside of marriage or before marriage, before having that covenant relationship with God, that those who have sex outside of marriage are more likely to break up. 
more likely to get divorced, more likely to experience physical or emotional abuse, more likely to have anxiety or depression, to feel guilty, or to have a relationship where they commit adultery again in the future. And we look at God and say, God, why all the rules? It's not so you don't have any fun, so that you'll be blessed. God wants the very best for us. God wants the very best for us. And it's not just so you can be blessed, but you can be a blessing. He's called you, Romans 8.28 says, He's called you according to His purposes. But everybody forgets the next verse. He's called you according to His purposes. But if you want all things to work together for the good, it says in verse 29, you've got to be conformed into the image of His Son. We love to quote those verses. All things work together for my good, those who love God. Right. But according to those who are conforming to the image of His Son, verse 29. You're blessed when you're a blessing. Jesus Christ was a blessing. Amen? Amen. He was a blessing. His light wasn't shining just for Him. He came and shined on you and me. And He gave us a great commission. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Our great command and a great commission. To go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. See? Commission and command. I never really connected the dots growing up in church. I always felt very guilty that I never witnessed very well. I've always been a shy, quiet person. There's only a few people. I look at my high school and college career. Uh, God began to transform me. But in high school, I was very, very shy. I didn't hardly tell anybody. They knew I was a good, quiet Christian kid. And I, I remember there was a few guys that uh, God put in my path. And thank the Lord, I've got a testimony in their lives. But the commission came out of the command. And both are a response to the grace and love of God. They're not there because you have to do them. They're there because a true Christian wants to do them. I missed that growing up in church. I really did. And as, as I've grown in God and got to understand His grace and what He did for me by pulling me out of Egypt and walking me out of the enemy's camp by faith, now I just want to do what God wants me to do. It's a response I can't do anything else. I can't do anything else but preach the gospel and be a pastor. There's no other response that my body, my mind, my career can go into. If, if, if I, did it, I would not be who I need to be if I did not do what I'm doing right now. And same I hope is true for you and your life. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2.9 that we are made into God's people. A chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, so that we might proclaim. If you want to be a Christian, it's because God's making, the, making you into one, so that you might proclaim. Today, how you live matters. What you do and why you do it matters. You and I can be saved, come out of Egypt, but we cannot pretend to be blessed by God if we are perverting obedience to His Spirit. If you want to be blessed and live the Christian life, 
learn to love God's commandments, learn to love His commission as a response to the grace that He brought you out. Grow to act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly with our God. Love it. Love to show justice. The world is trying to get people out of the sex trade. Church, that's our job. Show justice. The world is trying to care for the poor in Africa and raise money for things when Louisiana is hit by a hurricane and hurricane and economic church. That's our job. We are the ones to bring justice. We are the ones to bring mercy. We are the ones to be the light of the world. That's our calling. That's our high purpose. But how can we be a light if we're no different than the world? How can we shine in the world if we're hiding behind the church walls? Are we living like Jesus? And are we living for others? Because we are not truly blessed until we're a blessing. Amen? Today you and I can be power-filled witnesses. Disciples of Christ, fishers of men. When you and I reach this mount of God and realize the reason for the rules... We can go from a life that was breaking His commandments to a life that's loving His commission. I don't just want to be living a Christian trying not to break His commandments. I want to be a Christian who's loving His commission. Does that make sense today? So many Christians are living trying not to break the rules. That's not where He wants us to stay. He wants you to get to a place where Jesus Christ has fulfilled all the sacrifices of the law, He's died for your sins. He's put the Holy Spirit within you, enabling you to walk in obedience by faith, that you get to a place where I'm just not fearing hell any longer. I'm not fearing shame and regret and failure and trying to live up to a code of conduct, but I've walked out of just trying to obey the commands to get over to the here and I say, God, I'm loving your commission. I'm so busy with Jesus, I ain't got time to fall into traps. I'm so busy reaching the lost. I'm so busy praying and interceding. I'm so busy doing good works and and loving to reach out to others. I don't have time to get involved in all the petty things of this world. Amen? What if the church was so busy in being a light we didn't have time to care about the darkness? Just every head bowed, every eye closed today. There's a song.